Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. This is a special episode. We are talking to the makers of We Are the Geordies, the film which is doing the rounds on social media, documenting Newcastle's championship winning season under Rafa Benitez. I've been lucky enough to see the film. I've actually watched it twice um, and it is just a fantastic uh, way to spend your evening if you're a Newcastle United fan, living the highs and lows of what was a very entertaining season. Um, I'm going to let the guys introduce themselves first before we dive in to the podcast. So, uh, yeah, the floor is yours. I'm James DiMarco, co-director, writer and done a bit of music as well and camera. <laughs> Anyways, hello. Uh, I'm Zara, uh, co-director, producer, general dog's body. Let's start with the idea of this movie because it, it, it's not one that you can do um, very quickly, as you guys will no doubt tell us in a moment, because it's taken um, quite a while to get to the point where it is being sent out on DVD, it is being released to the point where it's, it's finished. Where did the idea come from? Why did you guys get together and say, do you know what, we're going we're gonna to document this season? Sorry. Um, I, well, it, it actually was my idea because I had gone to London to do a training thing, like training seminar weekend about low budget filmmaking, which ostensibly the philosophy was instead of spending years writing, rewriting, writing, rewriting a script, then spending years getting the money to resource a script, look at the resources you have around you and create the story from that. And they showed loads of documentary ideas. And that was kind of what I was thinking about. And because I was involved with NUFC Fans United, I could kind of always had this thing that it would be really interesting to follow football fans. Um, so I kind of put the two ideas together and put Newcastle United fans film. And then on the train on the way home, I rang Steve Hasty from Fans United and said, do you think we should, you know, do you think we should do a, f- a film following Newcastle United fans? Um, and it has to be this season. And he was like, well, the season starts in two months. I'm like, yeah, but I've just been talking to somebody in London and they're a Liverpool fan and they say, if you do it this season, you've got Rafa Benitez in the championship and that would be an amazing thing. And he's like, okay, leave it with me. So he contacted the club to see if the club would allow us to do it and kind of be involved, but be involved in a hands-off way. Um, And they were up for it and the clock started ticking and two months later we were interviewing Rafa. Well, that's what stands out because Rafa Benitez obviously pops up and, you know, I've, I've spoken to Rafa and he's just brilliant to speak to. Um, just the passion he has for football and the passion he had for Newcastle United. Um, did you expect the club to say, do you know what? There you go. There's however long it was sitting down with Rafa Benitez. Oh, um, it's weird because Zara called me and said, blah, blah, blah. This is the idea I have. What do you think? I said, drop everything. We'll do this. What a great idea. What was the pitch? It was from Burnabout to Barnsley, Rafa. So it was like, yeah, we'll do it. But 
I think I didn't have any expectations. Uh, I thought maybe if, if we can do it, we'll, we've got to jump on it if we can. If they say no, so be it. But I can remember the day she showed me the phone where um, Lee Marshall said he was okay with the idea. And uh, we were just so excited. And from that point on, it was just like a whirlwind of work, you know, ups and downs, um, doing whatever we could do to make it, to finish it. And another thing that's quite, uh, just to add to that, that's quite funny, I guess, in hindsight, but maybe not. And I don't know, should I say this? But yeah, I will. Um, in some ways, we didn't really want Rafa in it. And I know that sounds bizarre. It kind of, it was almost, Lee Marshall said, yes, you can do it. And I thought, oh, I'm going to ask them if we can have Rafa just as a as a punt. Let's see what they come back with. And they said, yeah, of course, come down just before the... Um, just before the uh, players leave for Fulham. You can come and interview Rafa. And we're like, oh, right, okay. So, you know, um, we ended up doing the interview. And then because of that interview, and it was such a good interview, and Rafa was so magnetic on camera, we're like, we've got to find a way to include him through the film. So what initially was just a bit of a punt turned out to be an integral part of the movie. I mean, we'll mention the other list of, uh, or another list of the, the people you've interviewed. I mean, you had Alan Shearer, um, you got Gibbo as well, John Gibson, Les Ferdinand. Um, what was it like getting them, speaking to them and, and getting their view on what it means to play for Newcastle United, what it means to support Newcastle United? They're, they're, legend, they're really legends to get them. I mean, I don't know if I should name drop here, but we did, a few of these interviews came via Steve Wraith, he did us a favor and said he would call us like Shearer, for instance. I think he was in Hartlepool, was it? Yeah. And he said, you're going to have five minutes for, with Alan. He's here doing an event. So we went out there. We went in the green room, and it was a horrible room to be filming in. It was just nothing about it. I'm sure you can appreciate that. So we set up. We had no time to set up, and I'm camera. A lot of the stuff it was me and camera and Zara doing sound. So we're in this room, and then Alan comes in, professional as ever, okay, what, do you, what can I do for you? And he just, we basically had time to ask him a couple of questions and he was bang, bang, bang. I've got, a, someone knocks at the door, he's got to go. So it was a... And I'm awful, as you can see now, interrupting him. I even interrupted Alan Shearer. I was like, oh my God, I've just interrupted Alan Shearer. Uh, he was telling a story it was about racket. something. It was yeah, it was, wasn't you it were seeing him and like... Crapping and, yourself all the way through. And then, you know, I'm, I'm, I've done camera and I've got better as the year went on through it. I wouldn't call myself a cameraman necessarily... And you're in there and you're going, geez, I hope I don't screw this up with Alan. I just hope it's, it looks okay. And, uh, you know, it's... Les was fab because uh, we interviewed Les originally at the um, Entertainers game, which was on at Kingston Park. And it was a fab interview, but there was a piece of commercial music, uh, Dignity by Deacon Blue, playing in the background. I thought there's no way I'm going to be able to clear that piece of music. So it took about six months um of back and forward trying to get a time when we could re-interview Les, um, which I think we probably did towards the end of that season. It was probably about the March we re-interviewed Les Ferdinand um, in Nine Bar at St. James's Park. And again, he was just a guy who can make you feel at ease. Just a lovely, lovely, lovely man. Um, Gibbo I'd met at a couple of events um, and he was great. Poor Gibbo, though. I think we must talk to him for about two hours and he's only in it for about 30 seconds. And we had a yeah. moment too. It was too cold. Remember we were at the... Yeah, we were outside the strawberry, strawberry first. And it was like, this is too cold, let's go. And we just 
walked into the nine bar and said, can we film in here? And they said, yeah, okay, go upstairs. There was some other people that didn't make it into the film that we interviewed. Keith Gillespie was probably one of my favorites. What a, a lovable guy he is. Like he was, he was excellent. And uh, Lee Clark, we interviewed. Um, Anybody who feels upset, because we interviewed a lot of fans as well who didn't make the film, particularly overseas fans, because the focus narrowed down. I just always say to them, you're an esteemed company on the cutting room floor because Kevin Keegan's on the cutting room floor as well, which always shocks yeah. everybody, but it wasn't a brilliant interview um, because we just, again, kind of got him last minute and he wasn't prepared and we weren't prepared. Um, and Kevin, if you ever do hear this, we do love we you love and you. want to make a film with you. We want day. to do a documentary about you. He, uh, he, it was, a lot of it was running gun where it was guerrilla style. We, we, if we got the person, we just set up and if, if it came out good, good enough. If it, a lot of times it doesn't. Mm. It was that kind of a feel to it. It was very raw and organic in a sense that when we started out, we had kind of an idea what we wanted to do. Um, but in the, but a lot of times it wasn't realistic and we had to feel our way for how we were going to work this, how many people we wanted to have in it that we were going to follow, that kind of thing, uh, the logistics of it. Um, we wanted to use fans. We thought the best way in this day, this was four years ago, but we thought like right now the technology for phones in the stadium and people having phones with cameras is at its best it's ever been. So we, we thought, why not see if we can get footage from fans in different places that we can never get to um, way up in the top row, wherever they sit and let them um, upload the footage onto a, a Dropbox. And we would use the footage as part of the experience in the fan and give them a credit. And what we, we, the footage we did use, and it was quite a bit, in the film, all those fans get credits at the end of the film and, and the credit uh, roll. So it, that worked good. I think that helped us in some, especially in the final day when um, it when the word got out that the game was over in Villa. You can see the fans reacting. And then some of those shots are just like bizarre. They're way up, kind of shaky, but you get that. We were looking, we were looking for the rawness of it and, and to be a close resemblance of the day. Hmm. I think you guys might have, you know, whoever was filming maybe where that video came from was maybe sitting next to one of our photographers because there's a clip that we have and I don't mind wheeling it out every time we play uh, Barnsley or, you know, Villa or just that anniversary. And it is that moment when they realise Jack Grealish has scored and it, it doesn't matter which clip you watch, but just the fans and the way their faces change and... Um, there's a wonderful moment in this movie. Um, I think it's um, it, obviously it's right at the end. And I think it's um, it's Scud, and he's looking down at, at you guys. He's one of the characters. He's looking down at, at you guys, and you can just see that emotion. And there's just that little Dave. nod, Dave. Sorry, um, and it's just it's that is beautiful moment. That at the the end of the movie is 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 fantastic, um, and it just wraps it up perfectly. Um, and we're going to talk more about some of the scenes that stood out. I just want to let you guys mention the, the premiere on Friday, um, raising funds for, for the NUFC Dance Food Bank. Yes. Yeah, so originally we were supposed to have a nice um, premiere in a cinema um, and we were also going to be in the, um, not that it wouldn't have been nice, but we're also, there was a couple of cinemas that we were supposed to be in, including the Forum in Hexham, just around the corner from you. Um, but obviously being in tier three, that kind of, made us change plans. Um, we were always going to do watch parties as well. Um, so last week we decided to roll the two things together and do a world premiere 
watch party on Zoom. Um, and that's on Friday night, um, 7.30. Tickets are available from the website, uh, wearethegeordies.com. And we are looking to raise funds for the food bank there. There'll be a Q&A. George Culkin from The Athletic, who's in the film, has agreed to host the Q&A. Um, and hopefully it'll just be some fun. And trying to, although we're all sitting on our computers watching it, not together, at least it's a bit of a communal experience, you know, whether you're at football or in the cinema, that feeling of kind of doing something with other people um, is something that we're trying to recapture. Brilliant stuff. And uh, it looks like it's very popular, I'm, I'm sure. And what remaining tickets you'll have will it'll quickly sell out. Um, let's talk about the, the opening sequence then, because you've got um, BBC Newcastle phoning. Um, you've got fans telling Rafa Benitez how happy they are they've stayed the, 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 you know the um, you've got uh, I think it's football without fans there's nothing comes on the screen you've got fans talking about hope uh, and it just sets the scene for what that season was all about um, and in many ways I guess as well it, it adds to the frustration to perhaps where we are now uh, but what, what what is your favourite scene out of it I mean what do you make of that are you because I suppose the opening scene is, is sometimes the most important because you want to grab whoever's watching the film so what um, how happy are you with the way it opens? The way it opens now it was actually probably one of the last things we sorted out on the film. It had about 900 different openings that just went backwards and forwards different ways. And then Nick, uh, Nick Light, who's the editor in this, um, and his contributions, by the way, can never, ever be understated. He really crafted something beautiful out of hundreds of hours of footage. Um, he, in the end, said... All right, I'm sending you a new, new opening, and it's basically every version of the opening we've had thrown together. See what you think. Um, and that, in, in essence, is that's what we're going with now. It took ages to come up with the music. I remember many Twitter DMs with people who um, were into classical music saying, I'm looking for something that kind of has this driving strings, because that builds the atmosphere that you're trying to create. Um, and then we found a piece of music on um, online from a library and we played it and we thought it was brilliant, but it kind of we were worried that it might be a bit too big. And then we just looked at each other and went, nah, go big or go home. And that's kind of how it ended up being. It was certainly the most challenging sequence of anything in the film. And we probably had about 10 different openings at one time or another. And these were changing as the time went on from the time the season ended and we were in the post-production Years would go, a few years trickled by, and we were working on the film, and we'd go, well, we need to change this, so we need to try this. And we had the, we actually went back to all our main fans and had them say a little voiceover, I remember, what, what it means to be a Newcastle fan. And we played it back, and it was just so corny and awful. We shelved it. But there was that's what I remember about it. That was It, it, it wasn't just something that flowed. Because the, the challenge of that opening scene is that you have to get so much information, especially if you're gearing toward an, a wider audience than the locals. You have to talk about the history of the team. You have to get it. They have to get it in a very quick time in a couple of minutes. So I think it was important that we took our time and made sure we had the right opening. And sounds like we, we did okay from what you say. Yeah, I think it's absolutely brilliant. And we'll talk about a couple more scenes in a moment, but I just want to talk about the characters because I think for me, watching the movie, what stood out, was how relatable these characters are. They've all got their own story. Um, and yet, I think, 
for people watching it, they'll be able to relate to one or two stories, whether it be, you know, Scud and Whistler, the, the middle-aged best friends who are like a married couple, you know, um, taking the mick out of each other, loud, boisterous, um, brilliant. Or whether it's it's someone like Davey who's, you know, he struggles to get a game because sometimes he's in a wheelchair and he's not up to it. And yet Newcastle is that hope that keeps him going. Um and he follows the highs and lows that way. Uh, or, or Saima, who, you know, had a kind of a, maybe a strict, strict upbringing and supporting Newcastle United wasn't the done thing. Um, and whether, you know, it, it's religion or you've got strict parents to do with education, I'm sure um, many people can relate to that um, situation where maybe football wasn't the priority growing up, but, you, you know, you, you grew up to love it. Uh, and there's just so many characters that I think people can relate to. And how important was it for you guys to... To, to get that and to make sure that the people watching can relate to how the people telling the story um, are feeling. That was, again, probably one of the most important things for us. Um, I think within our fan base, there are some big personalities um, and it was important for us to remember that the big personalities might be two dozen people and there are 52,000 other people who are not those big personalities. Um, It was important for us to have a diversity, both in kind of your traditional, whatever, male, female, um, ethnic minority kind of thing, or whether it was also trying to have a diversity of thought. Like it was, it was, I want, we wanted different opinions um, because it's easy to say, oh, Newcastle fans are all this or football fans are all this, but really they're not. Football fans are us and we as a species are diverse in how we are, how we look, how we act, what our backgrounds are and what our stories are. Um, And one of the things I think that has kind of come out of it as we've gone on making the film is this thing of ordinary people living extraordinary lives. Um, And that was really important for us to kind of to bring that out and to to, um, let ordinary people tell their story instead of it just being a celebrity thing. And that's also part of the reason why a lot of the um, actual footballers ex-pros who we interviewed ended up on the cutting room floor because it's easy for those big personalities or the legend of somebody else to overshadow somebody um, who maybe doesn't have that history. You know, everybody suddenly goes, oh, well, I'm not bothered about Elaine or Matt because I want to see more of Alan Shearer. And it was important for us to not have Elaine and Matt and everybody else overshadowed by that. I think Elaine's brilliant. And I love, uh, there's a clip when someone asks about her, her granddaughter who was about to be born and whether the name, um, if it's a boy, um, will be Rafa. Um, and I think many people can relate to that because I ended up calling my goldfish Rafa and Benitez, um, you know, as homage to, to, to the great man. You, you've got other people like Dr. Dave who had to leave the game early because he's he, he, his training. It's that little thing like that dilemma. I, I mean, I've had it myself where when I was at university and I had to get a train back to Sheffield, I'm like, do I leave now or do I miss the train? Do I stay? And I think everyone, it's just them little things that people can relate to. Um, but let's talk about George um, because I think it didn't it didn't register with me that he's actually the Geordie Dentist's dad. I know Mitch, the younger Mitch, quite well. Um, and it just never clicked until I saw the film and I was like, okay, that makes a lot of sense now. Um, but George is just fantastic. Absolutely brilliant character. 
we met we met George at early on in the film to interview him. And I think it was during was it a Rob Lee dinner or something? At, yeah, it was, a, it was in a Rob Lee event. And he came he came for an interview and he brought his little corn crake thing, the wooden heavy it must weigh a ton that he used to bring in the old days to games to swing around to make a noise. And he didn't. We have all this stuff on. The, there's so much that we cut out of this film that was really great too, but we had to cut it down to 90 minutes. It was like four hour, 400 hours of footage. And George was he was just such a relaxed man that has so much history. He played for the youth in Newcastle when he, when he was younger, he was signed, signed papers to play. He was a visiting professor at MIT and I'm from Massachusetts. I'm from Boston. So it's like, that's one of the greatest colleges in the world. And he's, he's there. He got offered it to stay there, but he wouldn't stay there because he didn't want to, one of the reasons is he didn't want to give up Newcastle United. That was his love. He wanted to not be living there. So there's so much you can say about the guy. We could do a film about him, his whole life. It's just amazing. He's an amazing guy to talk to. This footage in the film where I sat next to him with my camera, and it was I didn't realize at the time it was too tight. I couldn't really get the good camera on him, so I used my phone. And there's footage of him, and it was the Burton game when Matt Ritchie took the penalty kick, and for some reason the ref called the free kick going the other way. And there was so much confusing in, in, on that day, remember? And the, the, you could just hear a, the boos were just – I've never experienced anything like that in a, in a stadium because the boos were just so loud. Rafa was going mental on the sideline, and, and there's people just so confusing. And then in the middle, I said, George, do you know what – do you have any idea what's going on? He says, I have no idea because – I don't think it's – maybe it's in the film, but he says, because once the ball's – the kick's in, the ball's dead. So you, you can't give a free kick the other way. And, and as Dave Dixon says after, we were, it felt like a loss because we were so lucky. If, that, if they had won that, imagine if, if mm. Bergman won that match during that season, everything was so up and down. It never felt like we were going to cruise. I've got that. I've got that scene circled on my notepad here because it is brilliant. He just turns to you. He's like, I just I don't understand. I don't think anybody understood i don't think anyone still understands what went on um and i just love as well the fact that mitch uh, the jury dentist he appears twice in that movie and he's come all the way back from uh dubai and he's literally got two or three days and he's gone to the game and then he's flying back out again and again it's just something that i think people can relate to i used to do when i used to come back from university i'd be back for 24 hours if that you know Get off the train straight to the game, and then probably straight back to back down to Sheffield. And I think whether where wherever you're from, I think people can relate to that. And it is you've just got a, a cast of just fantastic characters to document how important Newcastle is to them. Um, and you have uh, you have Davy who's in the, who's in the wheelchair, um, and there's a moment where he gets. I mean, it, it's a really emotional moment. And he, you know, he's, he, he's kind of saying, Newcastle's always been there for me. It's the one consistent thing. And he starts to get teary. And that is, it's it's one of those moments where I think, certainly for me, I don't know if I'm just getting old or lockdown's got the better of it, but it, it did, it did, you know, it did put a lump in my throat. You're a human, Andrew. Come on. <laughs> Everybody feels that way. With, with Davey, Davey was really... So already he's getting some um, accolades for his quote at the end. It doesn't really matter, but it does. A lot of people have responded to that as a, 
as a fan. He has another moment during the film where he says he's had so many bad things happen to him. He's in a wheelchair. He can't do anything. He used to be in a rock and roll band. He can't do any of that. So what he can do now is follow something that he's done since a child, follow Newcastle United. And that's all he really has left. And what he says he's looking for, he's very philosophical. He's just looking for moments of euphoria. And when he said that, I thought, isn't that what being a fan is? Fan is you take a lot of the down side, a lot of the losses, a lot of the, you know, the anger, but you're looking for those moments of euphoria like we had on the final day of the season. And that just kind of like was the theme of the whole film, really. Definitely. And I mean, what would have happened had Newcastle A not got promoted and and not won the title? I suppose the more important question would have been not to be promoted. What would have happened then? I mean, you guys would have still put out a movie just not with the ending we'd all hope for? No, that was the risk we took, wasn't it? I mean, that was the risk we took going in. But by the end of the season, once we got promoted, I mean, that last game, I was up in the back of the Gallagher. Somebody gave me a ticket. I had my phone. I was wired for sound. So most of the time, you know, we had pitch side passes so we could get close to the fans. But sometimes we would sneak in because that way it could be it could be like I'm saying sneak in and then say be more honest but it could be a more honest representation of what was going we didn't have the filter of the club um mm. so I was up at the back of the gods I was wired for sound so I could hear everything that was going on around and obviously it was being captured um my concern was never so sorry back to what you were saying if if we hadn't been promoted in the last game the film probably still would have come out. We actually might have given up on the film. Once that happened, I was like, we can't give up on this. I know we've got a really good film. It's even got an amazing ending. The phone that I was filming on, trying to film the end, any of my footage, hardly any of my footage made it because I just kept getting ping, text, text, text. You've done it. What an ending. Amazing. This film's going to, when's it coming out? That was that was one of my favourite. When's it coming out? I'm like, mate, the match has just finished. Give me some time. <laughs> um, so I think, Going into it, we were like, if we got relegated, and obviously this was before Sunderland till I die, if we got relegated, it's drama. If we get promoted, it's drama and it's a happy ending. If we get stuck in 12th place, that's boring. That would be crap. That would be the worst thing that could happen. Um, one of the things that kept us going during the sort of three years of editing was we know we've got, because of the ending, because that happened and that was magical, we know we've got an amazing film. So I guess the fact that we had that ending is kind of what kept us going to to hang in and keep going when we wanted to quit many times. Well, I wanted to quit many times. It's bizarre because the fact that we ended with that Hollywood quote unquote ending, the Jack Grealish special, sets us apart from all the other documentaries that came after we started when Netflix get, got involved and they had, I can't even remember, you had Man City. Every one of those documentaries, the team that they covered just fell apart and didn't win when they had, had won previous. And like Sunderland was the worst of the case. that They just plummeted into oblivion. So you have that. But we have, one, we have a happy ending, which I think every filmmaker who sets out, they want to see something special at the end to end their film. So that they're hoping for that. You can't control that, but that's what you hope for. And if something bad happens, you just got to sit back and go, how can I rewrite? How can I make this narrative work? But even if you make it work, it diminishes the story that you want to tell. If it's, if it's mediocre, like you say, if it's in the middle, it's like ho-hum. If they have a train crash, like 
um, Sunderland did, that's actually pretty good, but not in the way that you want to have for your team, is it? You mentioned there the final uh, game of the season um, against Barnes. Um, so was it hard to keep composure because you and your Castle United fan as well? So you must have been wanting Newcastle to get the title and yet you, you've you got to get here and you've got to get that footage and you you know in your mind you're thinking right if I get this great end to the film but also you're a fan I know um, there's been ex- some um, examples in the press box when I've jumped up and then I've realized oh goodness me actually not, you know I'm actually here I was a journalist not a fan I did it last year when uh, Isaac Hayden scored against Chelsea <laughs> and I realized oh dear me I've got to keep my composure here what was it like for you because I remember covering that game, I did it. I was back in the office um, covering it, and we were going crazy in the office. Obviously, the lads at the game, you know, were pinging back the reports and stuff. And even in the office, I was, you know, elated. So to be there at the back of the Gallagher must have been something special. Oh, it was amazing. There's a bit um, in the film where I think it's actually a, it's a fan shot from. It might even be in the trailer as well. From I think it's like the Platinum Club area. It's on that stand, um, and it kind of just pans, and that gives you that cheer that comes round when you know everybody realizes that we're champions like and i think there's a bit of a scream underneath that and that screams me <laughs> it's like ah so no i didn't keep my composure and there's another bit in one of the it's when it's the derby game when we're with Simon again high up in the gallagher but in the corner and um the goal goes in and you hear it yay and that's james on the camera so you know we didn't keep composure all the way through as much as you keep rolling, but you don't keep your composure. And like you say, Andrew, I was in the press box. Sometimes we got in the press box to film. You really couldn't film much there. But I was there one time, and I forget what the – I want to say it's Monk, or maybe it was Warnock. was somebody who was complaining, and I just yelled out at him and, sit down. <laughs> and then all the pe- all the other press people just – I see all these heads over me. It's all right, hit me. It's like, you can't. You can't. You're in the press box, you've got to behave. Oh, I was like, oh. Yeah, but you have to behave in the press box, but it's not quite so – important one of the one of the managers in one of the press conferences post-match James said I just want to tell him he's full of shit and I said you can't was Warnock. Got, that was Warnock yeah you can't you can't he was say that the refs. he was blaming sorry, the refs sorry I swore oh, sorry <laughs> that's, fine, that's fine don't worry about that he was blaming the refs and I because we covered we were allowed to cover the the post-game chat and we were the only cameras in there really weren't we mm-hmm. so uh, I think it was one of those where he was complaining to the press and I just was like oh, I just said I just want to shout at him well, that's what I want to ask you about was the press conferences because um, the QPR game, the press conference after that, I think Cass had lost 3-2, I'm not mistaken. Um, and Rafa was down. Um, he wasn't happy. It was one of those moments where you think, goodness me. And it, what you get in the film is that there's a, there's, a, there's a period of time, I think it's a Sheffield Wednesday defeat, draw to Leeds and then the QPR games also around about that time and things were nervous then and you could see it when Rafa was speaking so what was it like for you guys to to witness that and and I suppose in your your heads you were we we, we worried that things were starting to derail but at the same time you think okay we've got good footage here because you can physically see Rafa is fuming you could see that as well um the Huddersfield game after the transfer window closed, he was raging then as well. So for you guys to be in the press room seeing that, were you guys again, were you torn or was it directors and writers hat on and thinking this is great footage? Probably a bit of both. Um, 
Although actually the footage is not brilliant in that one because he came in really quickly and we hadn't set the camera. Um, but yeah, it was, um, there was, there was definite moments where we thought he was going to walk. I mean, I've never been, I've never been, I'd never been in a press conference before. Um, I'd never been in an away game before doing this film. Um, so that again was a learning curve for us on, you know, the protocols and how it works. And things had kind of been going swimmingly probably up until about Brentford. Um, and that one was a bit, although the press conference itself wasn't awkward, there was just a bit of a weird vibe coming off Rafa, we noticed. And this James wasn't there, but the other James, the camera guy, um, James Greaves, we were going, oh, there's something not quite right here. And then by QPR, um, which is the sequence you're talking about, where that was the close of the transfer window and we hadn't signed anybody. The the atmosphere was horrific in that room. And although we had arranged to be in at Derby officially pitch side, we just went, no, nah, let's stay away. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx it. Um, I don't want to, and I don't want to be there. It's just way too uncomfortable. And that's why we ended up getting a ticket next to Simon and being in that corner where James squealed. Um, that I referred to earlier. The tension in the room after QPR, the tension was so negative. When we were in there, you just could feel it with everybody, not just the, the reporters, the stewards that work in there. You could just tell everything was on the knife's edge. And I really think there was, there was a, maybe there was a chance we can find out someday Rafa will say he was going to walk, but I believe he was going to see things through. And maybe that was his decision that day that he was only going to see his contract up and he was going to leave no matter what happened because he was promised um, money for the transfer window and it, suddenly he had nothing. And I think that was just the beginning of the end for him. I think what you've just said there, you know, being on a knife edge, I think Gibbo sums it up really well. And um, a few of the other people that are in this movie about it kind of the result affects the weekend. It affects the the days after the game of Newcastle when everyone's on a high. And if they're not, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not, an, it's not really a nice couple of days looking forward to the, the game ahead, but with the championship, there was even more pressure on that because it wasn't a case of right. Well, if Newcastle lose, Kind of in this season, you still think there's three worst teams in them. But in the championship season, there was Newcastle needed to get promoted. And when you look at that QPR game or you look at the Sheffield Wednesday defeat, um, it, it it is nervous. And, you know, I think what, what stands out is how pivotal the Brighton game was and the Huddersfield game, them two games beating your nearest two rivals, how, how important they, them games were to getting Newcastle United, um, you know, promoted. I think what people forget about the championship is that sometimes like in April, we played seven matches and we had to cover those matches. And there were a lot of times there were two games a week and it was just a constant like rush to get things done. And then any one of those teams could beat anyone else. And that's the secret of it. There's no gimmies. In fact, the teams that beat us twice in that year, I think they were releg- Blackburn. Blackburn got, I think Blackburn got relegated. Got re- yeah. And they beat us twice. The Wolves beat us twice. No, no, Wolves, no. Beat, Wolves was a a win and a, yeah. a loss. But it I, was um, Fulham. Yeah, didn't Fulham, get promoted. Fulham didn't get promoted. It was just one of those, like, it, it's just a, a treacherous. The referee's not very good. The pitches aren't great. It's like Tuesday, Saturday, as George said. Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. 
it's just a relentless slog. Really. I, I said this to some, um, you know, uh, some Sunderland fan friends of mine after we got relegated, um, and there was the usual gloating. And I said, "But we're the only team that if it's only points against Newcastle, you know, you're six in a row that you've gone on and on and on about, and it was six in a row and then a draw. It was the points against us." are the only thing that have kept you up and you will come down next season if you don't improve. They didn't, they came down. And then I remember saying at the start of their championship season, this is not a gimme, it is a slog. It is an absolute battle from start to finish and it is a horrific war of attrition um, league. I don't think mm. Rafa gets enough credit for what he did. You can say, well, he signed 14 people to get him out of the championship. But those 14 people, there was no guarantee they were... Richie was going to take on. There was no guarantee he was going to score 16, whatever goals. There was no guarantee that Gale was going to do so well, that they were all going to gel. And it we was, scored, the, scored the most goals in the league that season. We conceded the fewest goals in the league that season. And we did actually go on that record record break, well, would have been record-breaking run um, before that Blackburn loss, which would have been 10 wins in a row. And it ended on nine wins in a row. And we made a quarter-final of the Cup. So um, it really was... It's easy to go out ah, to the championship. It's not a big deal. But like James said, I don't think Rafa and the players get enough credit for that season. Hmm. I think George Colton says it's a it's graveyard, isn't it? And, you know, you can see that with the teams that have been relegated and are still there. Very much so. And the, when we were there, what struck me um, when we were in the championship and you were kind of researching the other teams was how many of the founder members of the football league were in the championship when we were there. You're talking, these are the cornerstones of English football and they're stuck outside the top flight. I mean, it's easy to laugh about it now, four years later, but at the time, I don't know about other people, but I was terrified that we could possibly, when we would interview like John Gibson, Sarah would say, you're an American and you're from New England. So that's why you have the cynical attitude I would say, but John, what happens if we don't come up this season? He says, of course we're going to, like he never thought for a minute we weren't going to come up. And so I says, you got a, a lot of people, Jordy's optimistic in, in this way where you're not. And I'm thinking, I could easily see us not making it. The playoffs, we would have easily lost the playoffs, I thought, just the way Newcastle is. And then we were going to be down in that league and we'd be stuck there like Leeds was the team I was thinking of. Ironically, Leeds is up now. But I, it, there was a lot of, a lot of danger of Newcastle being trapped in that graveyard for many years to come. Hmm. Let's just talk about the logistics then of home and away because um, I noticed that Burton away didn't make the film. Did you guys get manage to get down to that? I say that because um, that was my last game before I moved from Burton back to Newcastle and I was there um, as Diarmi and Gale scored. Were there any games you didn't go to or did you go to every game and then some didn't make the, the cut? There was a few that we went to that didn't make it. Burton we were supposed to go to, but we, um, our son Luca has autism um, and learning disability and he was actually sick on that day. Um, and I didn't want to leave him with my mum who was looking after him. I said, I, I don't want to be three hours away if he's sick because she didn't drive. Um, mm. If he's poorly, we, so we'll just skip that one. We actually did go to Davey and we went to Davey in the wheelchair, went to his house and we filmed them watching it or listening to it on the radio. I can't remember what. Um, so we did cover it, but we weren't physically at Burton. We couldn't go to that one. But there was... Um, there was a couple of other away games that we went to that didn't make it. I can't remember what they are now, but um, that, one, that one in particular, I can remember that Luca was sick. 
And I guess that's the important point is that you guys have been doing this and you've got your own lives as well. And you, you know, it's one thing going like home and away following Newcastle United, but you guys are making a film, you know, which you want to be well, well received. It wants to look good, sound good. So you, you got that added, added pressure on you guys. Um, you're not just there as a supporter, you there as a, a filmmaker. And plus you've still got your own personal and, and fine life as well. Yeah, I think there were certain games that we knew we had to have a presence. I'm looking at right above me. It goes across the whole wall. It's still up all these years later. Is the schedule of the season. We have all these post-its on it with names of the characters we're following. We have all the teams, the scores of the games all the way across. They're by color, pink, green, yellow, of what team is, who, what player we're following on that day written up. It's just mad. We, I, I think... The reason why we left it up is because it was it pushed us to make sure we finished the film to show us all the work that we had to put into it. But Richard, I don't think we ever intended to cover as much as we did. Mm-hmm. Um, we always we were kind of going to be more strategic. The, the plan was to be more strategic than it ended up. But then once we started falling in love with the characters, we just had to keep following them. I mean, it was mm-hmm. kind of, well, we've got to get the opening game. We've got to get like, there's going to be a midpoint game. There's going to be a clinching game. Hopefully, if we get promotion, there'll be the last game of the season, which I think we used to call the coronation of the king. Um, and we have to do Christmas. They were the ones that we felt we had to cover. But then, like I say, we started falling in love with our characters and saying, you know what? These guys are so compelling. We have to keep them on screen. How did you find the characters? Because, I mean, I've mentioned how relatable I think they are. And I want to also just briefly before you get to that answer, uh, Saima and the, and the scarf issue. She thinks that a certain scarf is making Newcastle, it's jinx, Newcastle aren't going to ever win with this scarf. And then she gets a new scarf, it's from the strawberry and the results start turning. And I love that because I think every Newcastle United fan, every football fan has had that moment to go, right, I've done this for the last four or five games and it's not worked, we've lost. Or, you know, I, I think that kind of, that worry that you are jinxing your team, it's, again, it's, I hate to use the, the word relatable again, but I'm going to, it is so relatable and it's a, it's a nice little added addition to the story, I think, as well. But how did you guys find these characters? Through the Some of them through the Chronicle, actually. The Chronicle ran a piece probably a week, 10 days before the start of the championship season um, where we had an open call-out. So Davy Craig and Sarah um, came through that. Scud and Whistler came through that. Um, Elaine, I knew through, she'd been to a few Fans United meetings um, and I knew that she had like such an interesting family. Um, A couple of the guys we found actually on Twitter, online. Um, So Matt, the young lad who's just come back from Zambia, he had posted that video teaching the kids the Rafa Benitez chant. And actually, again, the Chronicle picked up that and ran with it. Um, So I just contacted him on Twitter and said, you know, we're making this film. Do you want to be in it? Um, so yeah, it was, it was a bit of a mix, but definitely the Chronicle was involved with that. Um, and the thing with the scarf, the thing with Simon's scarf, I'm going to take credit for that publicly for once because Nick, the editor had moved to Canada and I was trying to do work to help him here and then would send him things and something had happened with the transfer and I had to resync all the footage. So you film the camera, the put the video and the sound are filmed separately and then you put them together and that's syncing. I had to re-sync all the footage and it was around that point in the season 
And I suddenly noticed that every time we'd had a loss all the way through with all this footage, Simon was wearing the Mitrovic scarf. And I said, you've got to stop wearing that scarf. Every time you wear it, it's been a loss. And she stopped wearing it. And we won the championship. Thank you, Rafa Benitez. <laughs> there was somebody that were, had lucky knickers they used to wear to matches when we were winning too, is what I hear. <laughs> Everyone's got their own little traditions, haven't they? Um, and uh, you mentioned Scud and Whistler. There. What else stands out is that you do recognise people. Um, you know, it, it clicked with me that I actually saw uh, Scud walking down my high street with um, his colourful hat on. I didn't know it was him until I've seen the film. And I've got, I just thought that is a brave choice of hat. And then watch the film and you click and go, all right. I know that I know that guy now. And then I've seen a few other people mentioned before we came on air, Mickey, um, from Truth Faith. Um, he's in the movie quite a lot. He disappears when when celebrating. Um, and I think that's what people will they'll enjoy. They'll enjoy picking out people they they they, they, they know that they know. Um, you mentioned Elaine there. I'm just gonna play a clip and it comes after the Preston game when Newcastle see that promotion. Um, so we'll play that clip and then we'll get into it because essentially what I've got here is play that clip and then in big letters, bottle that um, because it is such a wonderful moment. So let me just, hopefully this this will come off, share the screen. over the moon we're promoted that I don't care where we're first second whatever we're just win the premiership thank God for that you know Rafa's done it he's kept his promise just <laughs> that's all I want to do for the next half hour <laughs> so yeah it, do you know what it is it's that moment where Lane just like and I just think that was probably everybody on that night just that relief that Newcastle United had gone through you know some bad uh, run of form they lost to Blackburn they lost to QPR and then they'd beaten Preston they'd beaten comfortably and sealed they'd done the, done the job and I just I love that moment when she's just like yeah she doesn't have to say anything it's just uh, just the noise she makes and I think uh, like I say I've got just bottle that because I think that emotion is just just spot on and that, again that was something we learned through making the film and watching the film is it's one of the few places where people, ordinary people, don't have a filter. You know, you're watching the faces in the crowd and, you know, they're bricking it at times and you can see it. At other times, there's a bit in Brentford where a guy kisses the guy next to him in the crowd. He just gives him a big kiss on the cheek and you kind of go, "That we, two blokes would not, two Geordie blokes would not do that under normal circumstances. No. Um, and yeah, you're right. It is just trying to bottle those emotions and play them back to yourself when you're feeling down. What was amazing for us, because we, when we were allowed in, on pitch side in St. James's and at other places, we have our long lenses to get people up close without them knowing that we're there. 
and it's bizarre because we don't watch any of the footage. We don't film any of the, of the play on the pitch. So essentially we're just trying to get a feel for what's going to happen. And you can tell after a while you can anticipate when there's a goal about to be scored because the reaction of the fan, the group out there, especially mostly we filmed the Gallagher. So it was really amazing how many reactions you got from filming and to get a sense of feel of the crowd. Definitely. Um, I mean, you've been uh, pushing the, the movie. You've been on kind of every Newcastle United podcast and the reaction has been superb. And it's just nice, especially, you know, the year we've had to have that. We, we, we know as fans that we've, we've got a great community of fan-led podcasts, media-led podcasts, you know, and it's just great to see that this is, again, it's just uniting fans as a whole. And it's, it's something that I think we've all needed given what's gone on this year and um, with the pandemic and everything. And I think, I think that's probably adding as well to, to the emotion that people are going to feel when they watch this. It's an awful thing to say, but COVID's kind of helped us because people can't go to St. James's and um, experience it for themselves. And this is probably the closest you're going to get to that um, feeling for, well, certainly you know, this side of Christmas, let's face it. Um, yeah, I think it has it has helped um, us, which is not a nice thing to say. Um, but yeah, it's... I, w- I want our fan base to be as united as they can be because as the old chant goes, you know, Newcastle United can never be defeated and quite often, or will never be defeated, quite often we are sniping at each other or sniping at journalists or sniping at this. And you don't always have the full picture. I mean, back to the press conference question you asked earlier, we interviewed our fans um, around that time and they thought that it was all a big media thing, that the media were exaggerating how Rafa felt and Rafa wouldn't leave. And it wasn't, we're like, no, we were there. He was fuming. There's stuff, there's stuff that happens. There's nuances that can't be written down they're not there but you if you if you are in the room you can feel them you can see them you'd have to be you know you'd have to be an unsentient being to not see and feel and know what's going on um and i want this film we want this film to show the best of newcastle united supporters and to bring out the best in Newcastle United supporters. I wasn't being flippant at the very, very beginning four years ago when I said it's a love letter to fans. It is. And sometimes we need to remind each other and remind ourselves that we've got more in common, i.e. black and white stripes, than we actually have to disagree about. 100%. Um, Well, just to finish off then, can I ask you guys both what your favourite scene is? from the movie yeah um, personally my favourite I'll just say sequence is the whole Huddersfield away I went there it was raining I had a sound guy with me I had two cameras I sat in the outside the fan, our fan base but something about that game it was just amazing because again I couldn't see what was happening but I could feel by the the, the power of the fans I was filming what was happening and it was such a magical masterpiece and tactics by Rafa to beat them and it kind of got mugged them really and it was just that day after the match ended three to one win for Newcastle 
I, ha- I was out there with two cameras running on the crowd and it was just overwhelming. There was like goosebumps. It was an outpouring of love and affection and joy. And that's what being a fan's all about to me. For me, probably the, the end, the, the, the end of the film. Um, I asked um, somebody this the other day and people don't seem to realize it because it feels like the the moment between Dwight Gale scoring the third goal and us being confirmed as the champions of the league, champions of the league, yeah, um, was actually nine minutes. It's a long wait. And you don't realize it, and you certainly don't realize it from the film, although we did have a version of the film we where it did take play nine. the whole thing. We did play the whole thing, but we got told off for being indulgent. Um <laughs> It does. Um, I love that. And there's a bit, it was actually James who pointed out to me. And now when I watch it, I can't help but look at it as there's a bit um, where in the Lisa's corner and our fans are kind of jeering at the, because there'd been a couple of false goal alerts from the Barnsley fans. So our fans are kind of jeering back at them. And that's, there's a bit of banter kind of going backwards and forwards. And then there's a girl really pretty girl with dark hair about halfway up to the right hand. I would love to meet this girl. So if you're watching or you know who she is, please get in touch. She's about halfway up right hand side. And she happens to look at her phone. And as she looks at her phone, it must've come through that uh, Graylish has scored the equalizer. She's, she's the first person who we see and she's trying to tell, and she's so excited. She's trying to tell the people around her and they're all too busy taking the mickey out the Barnsley fans it's just it's amazing it's fabulous once, um, once and I shouldn't say that about my own work it's not really about my work it's the <laughs> atmosphere of this girl that she brings is amazing and fabulous not me and my film and once you find this girl you'll never be able to when you watch it again you'll never be able to take your eyes off of her because you wait for it to happen and that is the moment that they that she finds out I'm saying girl, she's a young woman. She's probably, yeah. And then you can just see everybody. And there's the, I think you mentioned it earlier. There's the cameraman who has a like priceless face. I, I wasn't filming there. I left one camera locked on that area. And you can just see his face looking back with this like, what the hell is going on in there? Is there a fight? I think he must've thought there was a fight going on in the, in the stands, but really the word was just spreading. So he's one of your photographers, that guy. Not him. I think the guy sitting next to him, because we've got, we've got a footage um, down at the Gallagher and you've got one or two people checking the phones and then you've got one guy who gets swept along in it um, and he's cheering, he's, he's undoing, he's, he's, but then he's, he's, he's not 100% sure what's going on himself. He's thinking Newcastle are champions, but he, he hasn't got, no one's told him, he's just kind of getting out. And then, it, then you see that ripple effect going through the Gallagher and it's like, okay, yeah, Grealish has definitely scored. And like I say, I mean, there'll be plenty of clips um, of that and it's just a magical moment. And I messaged... Uh, Zara last night just saying I've I've just watched it again um, and that last that last uh, sequence um, suddenly a lot of dust got on my eye because I was just like yeah okay this is why this is why you're in your cast and United supporter um, yes okay it might have been in the championship but just that moment of euphoria you know again it's something you want to bottle and, and sell because it was just a, a magical moment and to watch to watch the fans faces and like we say that ripple effect going through the, the stand as they realise it's just, it, it, it's priceless. Yeah, it is. And um, it's certainly something I won't forget being part of. Um, unlike James, who had his back to the action, I was watching the game and 
you know, I'd have obviously had my phone ready to go at any minute, at any sec. I kept worrying that the battery was going to run out, but I was watching it and it was a great, great, great day. To be able to go into St. James's Park is one of the most exhilarating feelings to film, to be on pitch side and filming. And we both, the first time we were invited in, it was me on camera and Zara on sound. And you had a camera as well. And I can remember after just going, I said, I think I get addicted to this. This is like, I've never felt anything like this in my whole life. It's so exciting and overwhelming. It was indescribable, really. And that, it was like a certain kind of addiction that you feel that happened with making this film. It kept us going as well, I think, in some ways. It was just, it was one of those things. You have an idea, it's kind of half an idea, and then it's happening, and you're not sure what's happening. And then you're seeing what, what it could be. And then we've had loads of ups and downs in this film, loads of downs, like where it took longer than we wanted to. And I hope there's people that we're in that we show and we intrude in their lives. I hope they're still alive. I hope we didn't lose anybody. <laughs> but um, it's it's just an amazing experience for us to be able to do the film as well. No, it's brilliant, and I'm, you don't need me to tell you, but um, it's an absolutely superb job done um my last question is have you sent a copy to Rafa Benitez yet we've tried to um I've been told he has it I was told a few weeks ago that he deleted the original email so he was resent it and fingers crossed he likes it because I think it comes out quite well yeah how can he not like it no I agree I totally agree I'm sure you'll absolutely love it well I guess all that remains to be done is for you guys to um, just tell our listeners and our viewers where they can get the get the movie DVDs are available from our website which is wearethegeordies.com from Cargo Records and in physical stores HMV I think Backpage will be stocking it Windows has it so like locally shops and Sunderland apparently um, HMV and Sunderland um, then also um it's available on loads of streaming platforms. Um, so Website. Sky Store, um, Virgin. I saw Amazon. you guys were flying high in the iTunes chart as well, which must be nice. Oh, well, that was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, iTunes. That was that was really exciting. Somebody sent us the link and said, have you seen the, the list of the top films? And we were kind of, I don't know, fifth or sixth or something. That really was a nice buzz, particularly seeing as we were ahead of lots of better known films. And it's well-deserved. Thank you, James and Zara, for taking the time to chat to me. To those listening, please go out and buy the movie. There's plenty of streams, as Zara has mentioned there. Hard copies as well available. You won't regret it. This is a movie that every Newcastle United fan needs to see. Um, you will absolutely love it. Once again, the website to purchase it is wearethegeordies.com.